Well, good morning. It's good to see you out this Palm Sunday. If we have any fifth graders and under that would like to head on down to Clubhouse for your time for lesson and time with the donkey down there, you guys can head on down and have a great time. I have heard so many donkey jokes this weekend. I, it was like it was every Christian's excuse to say ass. I, I just, it just is pitiful, just pitiful. Grab your Bible if you're going to hang around with me here for the next 20 minutes. Grab a Bible and uh, find John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 1, as we continue our series, Evidence. Uh, those of you that's your first time with us on the weekend, we're glad that you're here. And those of you that are new to MCC and keep coming back, we're really, really glad that you're here. And we're really excited about this weekend and next as we invite our friends and our family to come out and share in what we've learned. Those of you watching online, especially you spring breakers that are still away, I'm glad that you tuned in today. Well, we express our love for one another in a variety of ways. And this weekend, I want to talk to you about how the evidence, the evidence of God's love flows through us showing our full extent, the full extent of our love for someone. For example, if I were to say to Sarah, Sarah, I love you. And I mean, I say it with the very best inflection, with the most sincere face. But then when a difficult time comes later in the day and I show myself to be a donkey, then, then, then she gets the message, doesn't she, as to really the sincerity or the depth of my, my love. When we say, Lord, Lord, I, I love you, and then we go out and we act contrary when we act contrary to the way that he wants us and ask for us to live our lives, to, to point others to him, well, then we've shown, haven't we, the, the shallowness through showing the full extent of our love. Well, in John chapter 13, the details of the 24 hours prior to Jesus' crucifixion on the cross are recorded for us. Jesus has ridden into town earlier in the week on the back of a colt of a donkey, just as we saw displayed by the children. And as he entered the city, the people were expecting him, the Messiah, to be an earthly king. And so they took off their outer coats, they took their palm branches that they were waving, and they laid them on the ground before the donkey so that the donkey's hooves will not touch the dirty pavement that they were walking on. Why? Because sitting on the back of that donkey was royalty. It was their king, or to be their earthly king. They shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yet, yet their actions would soon speak otherwise. Jesus, who had said, as the Father has loved you, so I love you. Jesus, who spoke to Nicodemus in the dark hours of the night, who came to see if Jesus was really the one. He said, Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Here in chapter 13, the day of the Passover, Jesus has gathered his disciples for the meal. Remember the Last Supper? 
And the Apostle John records the climax of Jesus' time with those who followed him. It was the capstone to all of the things that Jesus has said to him. All the times that he has said, I love you, I want the best for you, will you follow me? He records it this way, having loved his own who were in the world, Jesus now showed them the full extent of his love. He showed them. He demonstrated His actions matched up with his words. As verse 4 says, Jesus got up from the table, the seat of honor. He got up from his seat. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying their feet with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus had said this would happen in Matthew When he said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That night beside the dinner table, Jesus demonstrated at their feet what he was about to do for their soul. Now I want you to think about that statement. Having loved his own who were in the world. Having loved his own who were in the world. The world. Jesus Christ's love for you existed long before he came to this earth to save us of our sin. His love for you was there at creation when he formed you. His love for you was there in eternity past when he created your soul in that secret place long before you were in your mother's womb. His love for you that is uncaused and unreasonable, unlimited, unchanging. There is nothing that we can do to cause him to love us more or to love us less. Having loved his own, John said, he now demonstrated the full extent of his love. The height, the depth, the width of his love was made known. And here's the evidence. Having loved his own who were in the world, Jesus left heaven. He left heaven to wash the sin from our soul. You see, more than an earthly throne, the throne that the people in the city that day were ready to place him on, more than an earthly throne, I want you to know that Jesus left the very throne of heaven where he was worshiped, where he was served by angels, by living creatures, where the ancients, Abraham, Isaac, Moses, Abraham, Jacob, the throne where he sat with his father at the creation of the world, he left it all and he took on human flesh. And in taking on human flesh, he put on vulnerability. And he came to this earth where those who said they loved him by their very actions showed the full extent of their love when they ridiculed him fabricated lies about him, rejected him. He left all of that to take on your sin and mine, the very sins committed against him while he was here. He took them all to the cross. This is love, John writes, that Jesus would lay down his life for us. Everything that Jesus had done is doing or will do is in complete alignment with what he said he has done, that he is doing, and will do. There was no disconnect between 
the two. Jesus' very action reinforces and demonstrates the full extent of his love for us. Having loved those who were in the world, Jesus demonstrated at their feet what he had come to do for their soul. In verse 2, John continues with these details. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. Now, you know, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. When sitting at your table, a person who has sold you out then sits across from the table and acts as if they're part of your family. <laughs> We've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there. We've had one person, a person say something to our face, and then when we're apart from them, they do something completely the opposite. I remember a couple that I counseled one time a, a long time ago, and I, and I met with him, I met with her, and they both told me just how awful the other person was. I mean, adultery, stepping outside of the marriage, the way that they abused money and the way that they abused each other. And then it wasn't a week later, I saw them out in public at Walmart in Scottsburg. I mean, that's where we see everybody, right? And they were acting all lovey-dovey with each other and kissing on each other. And I'm like, well, where was the person that we just talked about two days ago? We've all met those kind of people. You know, we get hung up on the reality that Judas sold out Jesus and he sold out his own soul for 30 pieces of silver. When you and I sell ourselves and we sell Jesus out for much less than that in our lives. In fact, what is your price? Are you like Judas? Is it money? You sell yourself out to overtime at work on the weekends and, and leave worship over here to the side? Is it being the best on the team? Is it just knowing that if you don't miss midweek on Wednesday nights and if you don't miss Sunday morning worship so that you can travel with the ball team, you're not going to get that scholarship? Is it that that you've sold them out for? This past week, I sold my tractor. I wanted a tractor all of my life, and 15 years ago, I bought an old Ford tractor. It's a big, full-size tractor. I mowed with it, but I decided I wanted something that was a little bit more agile and could get the job done quicker. I don't have the time I used to to ride the tractor. So put it on Craigslist. Three days later, a guy drove three hours to buy the tractor. We agreed on a price, and he came bringing a wad of cash with him. It was several thousand dollars. It was a nice old tractor. And so he handed me that cash, and he said, now, I want you to count it out. I said, okay. It was a windy day, and I had the side-by-side -side there, so down in the bed, I started counting it out. Hundreds, hundreds, you know, put it in stacks of thousands right there. And then he had 50s mixed in there. It's like, oh, boy, here comes the math. All right, so <laughs> counted it out. Some of them were new, new dollars. You remember, you know, how they feel, and they kind of stick together? Those of you that fill your pocket full of ones like I do makes it look like you got a lot of money. They stick together right there. So I get to the end of the stack and there's two extra 50s. Now, how many of you were like me? Not too long ago, maybe 10 years ago, when you pay the waitress at the restaurant or you pay the cashier at the Walmarts back when we used to use cash, 
and they hand you back more change than you actually handed them for payment. And you say, thank you, Lord, and you get out of there as fast as you can, right? You know you've done that. I've done that. Shame on us. Shame on us, but that's what we do. And in that moment, I felt that. I'm like, oh, okay. Do I say anything? What, what, what do I do? And I knew, I knew what I needed to do. I needed to get him out of there as fast as I could. <laughs> but holding those 250s in my hand, I looked up at him and his eyes met mine. And as I was saying, I think there's $100 too much, you know what he said to me? He said, I know. It was a test. He said, I know, and I want you to take that extra $100, and I want you to take your wife out to dinner with it. God bless you. And no, I didn't take her out to dinner. I, I put it more on the down payment for my new tractor that I got this week. <laughs> I went from blue to green, right? All you green guys, are, yeah, John Deere, right? You know, we praise God's name in worship, and then we use his name in vain when we get startled. We allow the church to help us in our time of need and then we walk away from that same church when too few people appreciate us. We lie to get out of a jam. Or we walk away instead of leaning in. And when we do this, we demonstrate the full extent of our love. Just how shallow our love is. But Jesus Christ is quite the opposite. Think about it. Just as Jesus knew that Judas, who had already sold out not only Jesus, but his own soul for 30 pieces of silver, was sitting right there at the table, Jesus also knew the heart and motives of Peter, who said, oh, Lord, don't wash my feet. Let me wash yours. He also knew the heart of all 12 of them who had been arguing about who would be the greatest in the coming kingdom. You forget about that? They had just been arguing after that triumphal entry as to... Who would get to sit at the right? And who would get to sit at the left? Who, who would be the, the uh, Department of State head? And who would be the head of treasury? Right, Judas already had the treasury taken care of. Jesus, knowing that they would all scatter just hours later when the authorities would come with Judas to take him to trial, Jesus gets down on his knees and he washes all of their dirty feet just as he would go to that cross to wash all of their dirty souls. You see, this is the evidence of God's love. Jesus knowing the heart and motives of those closest to him. He loves us anyway. He knows our heart. He knows our motives. But yet he loves us anyway. The full extent of his love, which was anything but shallow. It was at the very core who he is. You see, the evidence of God's love shown to us through Jesus is just this, that he loves us when we're ourselves. He loves us when we're at our best and he loves us when we're at our worst. He still loves and he doesn't just say he loves us, but he shows us his love with every part of his being. We know the things that we've withheld from Jesus, and Jesus knows all the more, yet in love he came. Now, it's not difficult to recall the times that we've wanted to give up. 
times that we've wanted to walk away when our love isn't returned, when our love isn't acknowledged, the frustration, the hurt, the disappointment. And sometimes we want to hurt these same people thinking it will in some way ease our pain. Jesus experienced all of this. He experienced rejection, not just from one or two, but from all of us. Yet he stayed. Why? Because real love stays. Real love stays no matter what, even when it's rejected. Some of you will remember this. Perhaps you've pulled it out most recently. It is a timeless help in a time of trouble. That's the love dare. I've mentioned it to some of you over the last few weeks even. The love dare. It was created 10 years ago when a man and his wife were separated and her love for him had grown, had grown weak. He had done things to mess up. And she had had enough with that. And so he set out with his father's advice to love her the way that God has loved us. And he handed his son this, these notes that became this book. It came from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. And for every day, for 40 days in a row, it was that man's responsibility to set forth one of those virtues of love and to live it out. And while some people think that that is a quick fix to their marriage, what it is, is it's teaching us how to love the way God loves when our love is rejected over and over again. You see, it is about you, not the other person. It is about you loving, even when it is turned back and sometimes you are walked over and spit on by those that you want so badly to love you back. Jesus dared to love certain of the rejection of those he would suffer and even died for. Verse one of our text says, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He knew exactly what was before him. He knew that the cross on which he would carry the weight of all the sin of every man and woman who had ever lived on this planet or will live, the very people he chose to create, knowing the time had come, he didn't run. He instead leaned in and now showed them the full extent, the evidence of his love. One final thought about the full extent of God's love. And that is Jesus' love, God's love, is not put on. It's, it's, it's not something that he picked up and that he sat down and put away. It was at the very core of who he was. Jesus' act of love expresses who he is at the very core of his being. You see, our love is a love that is expressed in response to someone else's love. Our love for God is a response of his love for us, right? Because he first loved us, we love him. But Jesus is different you see, evidence of God's love isn't found in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross alone. Did you hear me? 
It's not just that he died on the cross. His love for us is shown in eternity past and in eternity future because every day, Jesus Christ, every day he set aside his disappointment, his frustration. He would set aside his physical pain and his suffering. He would set aside his popularity, his desire for justice. He laid it all down, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He would say, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. But he doesn't stop there. He says, I have authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. He's saying the choice is mine. He laid it down because at the very core of his being is his love for you. Remember the very first week of our series, if you were here, God is, Jesus Christ is what? At the very core, he is love. He's love. And here it is. Jesus said, out of the overflow of a man's heart, his life speaks. Who we are, what we're filled with, always eventually comes out. It's the irrefutable evidence of who we are at our very core, no matter how shallow. And here, it's the irrefutable evidence of God's very nature. And the great thing is, is that those of you who've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ in baptism, you've received his Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. You have received his love not only in your forgiveness of sins, but you've received his love that dwells inside of you and you have the choice every day whether you're going to lay down your life and let his love flow from you or whether you're gonna pick it back up again and you're gonna be your natural You're going to be your natural self. In verse 9 of our text, this was Jesus' very command. He said, now that I've shown you the full extent of my love for you, what? I want you to do likewise. I want you to do likewise. Will you lay down your life in order to allow God's love to be greater in you, this was the question that he was posing to them in this statement. And this is the question that is posed to us this Palm Sunday. You see, just as the disciples were shown the full extent of God's love, you and I have been shown. And if you've been here for more than a week or two, you have witnessed as I have, whether it's on Saturday night or Sunday morning, Throughout this entire time of sickness in our country, what have we seen? Almost every week, certainly every month, we have seen people take those steps right up there into that watery grave of baptism where they have allowed God's love, the full extent of his love, to come into their life. One, in salvation, but two, in power that we can live differently If you've been here, you have seen people respond by stepping out in the aisle and one of us would come and meet them or you would stay after service because you wanted someone to pray with you, because you have started to see 
evidence of God and God's love. And you want that in your life as believers who have hit a rough spot, whether it's depression or anxiety, whether it's a rough spot caused by fear and staying in for the last eight months or or a year, you're wondering if it's safe to be out. You wanted someone to come and encourage you and, and pray with you in that love. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, it was the day that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords rolled into town just like the prophets said that he would. He was fully recognizable, treated as a king. But that day, he got off of that donkey and he walked among the people. He talked one-on-one with the people. For those who would allow him, he supped, he ate with those people, and he served those people when he gave his life as a ransom, not just for them, but for us all. And so my question for you this weekend, next weekend's really exciting. We're going to be here Friday night, and if you've never attended a MCC Good Friday service, it's amazing. It's so simple, but that's who Christ is. As we recount those final hours of his time here on earth. And then on Sunday morning, we get together at 9 and we get together at 11 and we raise the roof in celebration for what he has done. But you don't have to wait until next weekend. You see, the opportunity is before you right now to get off of your throne, to lay down those palm branches that you've been waving It's time for you to lay those down at his feet and let the king of glory come into your life. Let him show you the full extent of his love by allowing him to live inside of you. And friends, once you do, it may just be all the evidence that someone in your family, someone at your work, your school, your neighborhood needs It might even be the evidence that the person sitting next to you needs to know God's love for themselves. If you'd like someone to pray with you or if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, all you have to do here is step out in the aisle or you just wave me down. I'll come to you and I'll help you take your next step. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for giving me clarity of mind. It seems to happen just so rarely anymore that I would be able to relay what you have shown to me in my life and what your word so clearly speaks. I thank you, Lord, for all that have come today. I thank you for the little kids, not for the show, but, Father, for the reality that there are a hundred fifth graders and under here who know your story who know that you came not to be an earthly king, but to be a greater king, the king of our lives. 
the king of a kingdom that you are forming every day that another person surrenders their life to you, a kingdom that will never end, a kingdom that surrounds you now in heaven and will one day surround you here on earth to worship you and to exalt you as King of kings and Lord of lords. I thank you that our children are learning this at a young age. Father, for those that are listening online and for those that are certainly in this room, Lord, help us to set our pride aside. Help us even, Father, to set our inhibitions to the side. And in this moment, be able to hear and to understand the truth that's been spoken today of the full extent of your love. May one more person, one more family member, one more soul surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.